Good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this Hacking the Red Circle conversation, where we talk to people in the TEDx world you'll want to know better. The show is designed to learn what it takes to produce, organize, promote, and create a world-class event. If you're an experienced organizer, you'll get some great tips. Veteran organizers share lessons they've learned so that first-timers can avoid common missteps. There are hundreds of amazing people in the TEDx universe, and we talk to a lot of them. If this is your first time to the show, welcome. We produce Hacking the Red Circle every week. You'll want to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Now, on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I am I'm thrilled. As you know, um, we get introduced to organizers through lots of different ways, uh, mostly through the Facebook group. And I met the uh, TEDx ambassador for the Middle East region, uh, Urteza uh, Ubed. And uh, Urteza, welcome to the show. Glad you're here. Hi, Mark. Thank you so much. It's really nice. I'm super excited for the conversation with you. Well, you know, you're... But you're... just one clarification. Yeah, so it's not Middle East. So Pakistan is part of South Asia. So I basically, I'm the ambassador for the Pakistan and the region. Oh, perfect. And your event is TEDx Lahore, correct? Yes, yes. Now, I have to tell the user, we're recording this on October 18th. You're going to be listening to it much later than that. But your event is in four days. How do you have time to talk to me? So I think uh, we have managed our team this way that everybody is working on their task. So it's for me at this point of time, it's mostly supervising and just making sure everything is in place. Tell, tell me what it means to be a TEDx ambassador. Okay, so uh, in a like in a country like Pakistan, there are a lot of new events happening. So there's a lot of outreach happening, but there are a lot of cultural and contextual things which the tech staff might not be aware. So they appoint ambassadors to certain regions. So basically, I act as a liaison between the TEDx community here in this region and the TED staff, the application team, the TEDx community team. So if they have if they need any kind of support, help to understand the local culture, local context. So I'm basically the one who is guiding the team. Then there's a lot of mentoring happening because a lot of these events are new here. So they they get all kind of support and mentoring from me. How Do you know how many ambassadors are in the TEDx universe? Yeah, so uh, this year they have, uh, so this year we have four new ambassadors, but I think total are around 2022 20, now. Oh, so it's good. available on the tech.com website. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to make a link to that for our listener. So that's an interesting thing. I've talked to a couple of other ambassadors, but we haven't spent time doing that. Did um, did TEDx approach you to take on that role? Yes. So normally there are, uh, so the process of becoming an ambassador is that someone nominates you. You can nominate yourself as well, but normally, so a lot of people in the local community, they nominated me because I was helping them, supporting them with their events. So 
so that was a thing which was uh, there on the website so they nominated me that we want to have you as our ambassador so it's more formal and more uh, so the, even so the TED staff knows that you are the one who is helping us and supporting us. So then TED asked me, so they, the guys, they emailed me that this is the role which we want to give you. So if you are interested and if you want to take this role, so just let us know. And since I was already doing this thing, so I thought, why not? Sure. It also is like a privilege and honor for me to basically increase the outreach of TEDx in this community. Yeah, no, I, I think that's I think that's fantastic. Now, tell me, how many years have you been an ambassador? Oh, so I just recently became ambassador this ah, year. Ah, ah, okay. So it's new, yeah. new for you. Yes. How so? But how, I've been organizing TEDx event for the last seven years. Okay that that was going to be my next my next question because that's well you were almost one of the you were in the first the first batch in that first year, you know, TEDx started in 2009. Yes. I was in the second year. Got it. So we started our event. And how many people did you have then? And how many people do you have now just to get a sense of how it's grown? Yeah. So initially, since I have not attended the TED event, so the license was limited to hundred people. But now, since I have attended two TED conferences, so last year we had a thousand people event, but now this time we are scaling it to 400 to 500 because we realized last year that when you scale, it doesn't become that experiential for the audience. So we figured out that 400 to 500 people is the right kind of mix that we want. Give me an example of an experience that you can do at 400 that you can't do at a thousand. Because we have, we have a lot of listeners who are at the you know three hundred and fifty to five hundred range, and then we have many, many you know at thousand, three thousand, four thousand. I'm just curious what kinds of things you wanted to do that you're now going to do in a few days. Okay, so one the first thing I'll start off with is the activities that we do during the networking breaks. So like uh, two three years we had like a VR based uh, startup they put up like a they set up over there so with thousand people everybody was not able to experience that thing so we got a lot of feedback that okay there was a very long queue at the stall so we couldn't experience what it was so like almost four or five years when google glass was a new thing so we had like two google glasses at our event so that people who have not seen they want to experience so they couldn't experience because our scale was big. We had like a lot of people and everybody couldn't experience it, experience it because of the short time that we have. Then in terms of audience, what we figured out was that there is a lot every. Uh, so what we do, we have like a networking group before the event. So people normally try to interact or like make a connection between before the event. So when there are thousand people, so you cannot just meet everyone. So the quality was not there and even in terms of curation because we do not sell tickets so we curate our audience based on the form that we uh, publish online so our event is free we do not charge any ticket fee so with thousand people we just last time we just let almost everybody in so we figured out that the audience was not as diverse and the kind of of audience we want to curate we couldn't get it so that's why this time we thought let's make it 
more manageable so that we can go through each and single application, figure out what's a diverse mix, what's a good gender ratio, what is a good criteria in terms of their job functions, what are their passions. So we have like a very good mix, very good and diverse mix of our attendees over there. So in case our listener missed that, you last year had a thousand people, the tickets were free, yet you curated every one of those people. So I'm, I have to ask how many people applied to go to TEDx Lahore so that you could end up with a thousand who did go? So normally we have like three to four times what our seating capacity is. That is just, that's just crazy. How many people does it take and how long does it take to do that? So what we do, we just open our registration process for 10 days. So we got all the applications and registration during that 10 days. Then we have like one week to basically vet them out. A lot of this vetting starts as soon as we open the application. So we have like a team of a whole team, which just looks after the registration process. So they are going through each single form as they are being updated on our database. So they are going to mark them as green. So one at first we have like a big list. So for say if we have like 500 seating capacity, we'll shortlist probably 2000 people. Then our second uh, shortlisting will go for 1000. And then our final list uh, shortlisting will go for the last 500 people. Oh my goodness. Because we those... really like to curate the attendees yeah. that we have. This <laughs> yeah. is like one of the biggest part of our audience. And the best part is like uh, people literally ask us the whole year, when are you going to have your next event? I'm because the kind of shocked. mix, the kind of diversity they find in our event, they just could not find in any other event here in this area. So this I, I, is one of our USP, I'll say. Yeah, I I would say so. I'm I'm uh, I I know our listener right now is shaking their head trying to imagine how they would do that. Um, that is that is very very challenging, and I applaud you. Um, a, as an ambassador, I'm I'm going to guess that you were nominated because you're very visible in the community and you've done a lot of TEDxes. How many TEDxes have you attended in the last seven years? Oh, I I have no count of it, but probably close to 50. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And how far is because the farthest you've traveled? Probably a six, seven-hour drive from my hometown. Wow. You're very dedicated, my friend. I, uh, I love that. And uh, I'm curious with... You know, the best part is that a lot what of these organize, these events, so they have basically sprung out of, because of my event, because uh, the guys who were supporting me, like the, my team members, so they belong to a different city, different university. So once they are part of my team, they go through the whole process of organizing a TEDx event. So when they, they see the event, they are really excited. They want to do the same thing. So then they go and organize the same thing in their university or in their city. So a lot of things just go in a like a like it just goes to the like it just multiplies like every year we have new team members who will go through the process of organizing a TEDx event then they will love this 
whole platform this phenomena and then they'll just go to their university their cities or even their villages and they'll just do a event over there i just i i love that and and it it makes me think of um it as events worth spreading uh which is is what you're what you've done tell me what it is about lahore that makes what what do you do to make that event unique amongst all the other tedxs in the region okay so we have like a bit a slight advantage that we are the oldest one in pakistan the whole country so like a lot of people know that they are, these are the first ones who brought tedx into pakistan the second thing is like it's a huge city so the recent numbers are that the population is close to 15 million so there's like huge population that needs these kind of events the other thing is like it's a major cultural and educational hub so there are a lot of universities over here so students from all over the country will come to the to lahore to the city and get enrolled in different universities and colleges so they are always looking for these kind of events where they can go and find something different because if you look at other events they are more of run of the mill which are happening in almost every place but with tedx events with the format that ted gives us the guidelines that we give us and the whole part of curating the speakers as well as the audience that makes this event very unique the other thing we do is with our partners and with our community so i'll say uh, our event is mostly crowdsourced in terms of speakers and our partners so what we'll do we'll just have like in our networking area we'll have like 20 startups local startups and we'll give them like a free spot over there so they can just basically showcase their work so for them it's like for free they are going to get exposure of 400 500 people who are going to basically if they like your product they're going to talk about on social media on different kind of forums so it's a lot of advertisement free publicity for them for us it's that we are supporting these community members these are going to be we are just not helping our attendees we are also helping the entrepreneurial ecosystem in the country then in terms of our partners what we do we try and help them to inculcate this whole tedx spirit they they are going to basically involve they are going to basically have a lot of these ted talks part of their curriculum if they are a university or or school so i'll just uh, this just brings me to another example so one of the schools that we partner with who, who gave us venue every year so when we exposed them to this whole phenomenon of tedx so they got to know about ted ed now they have started ted ed clubs over there oh so great like 15 20 ted, ted ed clubs in their like in each each branch of their school so the kids over there are learning about ted and tedx from the very initial or very primary classes so it's part of their curriculum now so they have to go watch ted ed talks they just try different kind of experiments they'll watch ted talks they'll watch ted talks so it's more about for for us it's more about nurturing and building a whole community um tell me was is <clears throat> what's the grade level of the school that has the 15 to 20 ted ed clubs so i uh, i have seen grade 1 kids running their own ted ed clubs to as 
older as like grade seven, eight, or your seniors uh, kids running a target club. I I'm I'm so impressed. I I love that. That is that is fantastic. Tell me what yeah. the other thing. What we did was with one one with uh, I think two or three universities. What we did, so they have this basic introduction to communication technologies course, like where mm. they expose all kind of students to computers, to high tech, all these kind of things. So in their computer lab, every once a week, they the class will start with a new TED talk, but on technology. Oh. So if, for example, if uh, two three years uh, ago the 3d printing was the new phenomenon or the in thing so they showed the kids that this is what the world is going towards like recently like i just saw a talk on ted.com it was about life on mars or what's right. the most martian right. place on earth right so these kids are now going to be ex- exposed to this kind of talk so since there is like very little uh, exposure of a lot of these kids to that kind of um, technologically or scientifically advanced stuff. So TED Talks is like their gateway to open up their minds or to broaden their horizon. You're you're affecting a lot of people, and I I just I mean that isn't that one of the joys of the job that we have or the role that we've we've chosen for ourselves? And it's not just the main event, but it's how you've been able to help get TED ideas worth spreading integrated um, throughout the community into the startup community with the entrepreneurs, with the schools. I, I love all of that. Tell me your Tessa, what's been, you know, you've been doing this for years now. I mean, you're one of the seniors, one of the 20 ambassadors in the world. Are there any surprises left for you? Is there anything that surprises you about your community or your event or the interactions you have? Oh, every day is a new <laughs> surprise. So, like, I'm just three days away from my event. So, we just get to hear so many interesting, inspiring stories. So, since I just told you, so we have this whole curated audience process. So, we closed our registrations almost 10 days ago. We have sent out final emails to all the attendees. So, like, 15, 20 minutes ago before our show, I got a call that... I applied for your event. I got selected, but the guy who suggested me to go to this event didn't get selected. Oh. So tell me something like how, like now he is literally bashing me that you are going there and I'm not going there. Oh my Whereas gosh. I was the one who recommended you to go. So she was literally asking me that by any chance, if it's possible, if you can invite him i'm willing to leave my space and give him the opportunity because he was the one who suggested it oh my gosh so what did you do so i i just asked her that it's not possible because we have this whole curated uh, process and i do not curate anyone it's my registration team right so what i can do is just send me an email i can forward it to my registration team if there is a dropout so Mm. they can give him a spot Hmm. but I just cannot guarantee it. Yeah, that's, uh, I bet you there's hundreds of those conversations, but I want to back up a second because you said that they got the notice that they have a ticket just a week ago or 10 days ago. Is that right? 
Yeah. So what we do, we we do not give our tickets. We just right. send them an right. invite. Right. Sure. So the other thing we do is basically we try to make our event as clean as possible. Right. So we just we just don't go for any extra printouts, printing stuff. Yeah, that's nothing. same same with so, us. I'm, I'm more the more of the yeah. question is. It wasn't that they knew a month ago or two months ago. They ju- they've been waiting and waiting and waiting for that email, and they finally get that email. Yeah. Oh, I love no, no. That. So our registration started on first of October. Yes. So we announced that we are going to organize event on the first of October. We closed our registration on tenth of October, and we sent out all the invites by fifteenth of October. Oh my gosh. So you wait till the very last minute. Yes. Oh my gosh. Because we really, uh, when you are curating everything, so you want to see the very last registration because you you never know the last one is the best one. <laughs> so we just cannot like start doing it. Oh, I love that. That's yeah, that's um that's really interesting. I would love to hear if you're listening to the show and you have a curation process. I'd love to start a conversation. Drop me a note, Mark at hackingtheredcircle.com. And when I post this show, um we'll get a conversation going on that because I think there's something very, very interesting uh to be said about that. Um so which leads me to a question which would be what's the biggest challenge that you have at TEDx Lahore? Because it sounds like you've figured this part out. So is there something that continues to be a challenge for you? Yeah. A number of challenges. So the biggest challenge is basically to curate our speakers. Hmm. Because the thing is we just go with a lot of local community based speakers. And most of the times, there's like a difference in what their understanding of TEDx is and what our understanding of TEDx is. So this is one of the challenges, trying them, trying to tell them that this is what the format is, this is how it should be. Because a lot of people want to talk about their personal stories, right. their achievements, what like something which is related to them and not specific to a single idea. But when we talk to them, we tell them that TEDx or TED Talks are just all are all about ideas. Yeah. Since they are most those speakers, especially those speakers who are who have already spoken at so many events, not TEDx events, other events, they have already prepared a slide deck, a presentation. So they just want to say the same thing again. So we tell them this is not a normal conference. It's a TEDx event. Yeah. It has to be different. Yeah. And we know that you have a very interesting idea, but you just don't know how to present it or how to basically make it like you don't know the art of storytelling. So that's where we face the biggest challenge. How do you... The other um, challenge is in terms of resources because uh, a lot of other events here, so especially working with partners. So this is more of a universal thing that with partners you can, the other events provide you all kind of branding, endorsement. You can have like a space on the stage you right. can put your advertisement or the branding stuff on the stage so we get a lot of like a, that's a big challenge trying to educate our partners and sponsors that this event is a bit different from what you guys have been doing 
Yeah, that is um, for for those of us who do development or work with our development team, that continues to be a challenge. You know the the what's in it for me, and you know it's interesting. I I, I consider that when a potential partner is asking me those kinds of questions, as opposed to what could we do for the audience, that they're probably not the right partner. You know, it's, it's really challenging, right? It just, and it's a hard, just like you said that with a speaker, a professional speaker who's used to doing this over and over again, you know, you tell them that, you know, TEDx is completely different and they have to change everything. And the ones that understand that they do it and it's fantastic. The ones that don't, well, they don't make it to the stage. Um, but the same with the partners. So it's, it is, I, th- I think each year it gets a little easier, but I, I agree. It's one of the biggest challenges. Do you, and I think you said you had one more challenge. Yeah, so these are the, the, the other thing is uh, the challenge that I shared earlier was that since we have a lot of university uh, students in our team members, so once they graduate, they move to a different uh, city. So then we have to recruit new people. Mm. So in mm. terms of uh, our team management, we face this challenge that every year uh, 20 to 30 percent of our team is new. So we have to train them again, work with them again. But now after like few years, we we are at that point where most of our core team is stable and like working with us. I might um, suggest if uh, our listener has the same kind of challenge, because there's a lot of TEDx's, not only university, but that are in university communities and rely on a student workforce. Go back and listen to Herbert, who is from TEDx uh, Penn State, PSU, uh, go listen to that one because um, they have that exact same problem. They're one of the first TEDx's. And what they do is they have um, current team leaders have to go and recruit their replacement and then shadow and that replacement shadows them for one year. And so they've figured out how to have a really good, very seamless transition uh, through the workforce. So that might be a good one to listen to. Um, if, if that's a problem that you've got, let, let me ask you, I mean, I, I, I think I know the answer to this, but if you were to have a superpower and the thing you think that you're best at, or you're most able to give, is it in organizing, collaborating, producing, marketing, curating, or partnering? I'll suggest curating. Uh, yeah, it sounds like curating is a is a huge thing. I would I would love to um if you could share your um maybe your curation form or a link to that page. I'd love to put it uh on the show notes uh for our listener so they can go and see see how you do that cuz I know that curation is tough. You know, now stay on curating for a second. You said there's 15 million that's a lot of that's, that's a lot of people. I'm in a small little beach town here in California. Yeah. The, we are the sixth largest country in the world. I know. I know. <laughs> so, I've got to I've got to imagine that you have a tremendous um network of people that want to come on the stage uh and curating them is is really kind of interesting. How many speakers do you have at your event? 
So we just go with eight to ten speakers, not more than that. Oh. And yeah. so that sounds like that's a half day event. Yeah, it's a half day event. Got it. Got it. And um, everybody has a little different trick for how they um, they curate or how they find people. What's your uh, what's your trick for how you find people, speakers? So the interesting thing is like we have few journalists in our team. Oh. And these are like not mainstream journalists. So these are the ones who are basically covering local stories, doing most more of a investigative journalism. So they just get to know about the inspiring or like the talented local talent because they cover it for their either for their magazine or newspaper, whoever they are covering. So they just find out very, very interesting local talent. So most of our suggestions or most of our speakers come from them. The other thing is like we, since we have this very curated community, so we have, we are connected with almost everyone. So they pitch in a lot of recommendations throughout the year. So we get a lot of recommendations, then we just put them in our shortlisting and then our speaker curation team basically talks to them, figure out if they are a good match or not. The other thing is then we, when we come up with a theme, we just try to place them. So like for our next event, we already know who are going to be our five or six speakers out of our 10 speakers. Do, because this time they couldn't fit into our theme. Do you invite the speakers or do you have an application process? No, no. So we... We, we have no application process, mm -hmm. neither we invite them. We, what we get, we have like a public email address under Facebook page. So most of our recommendations, so a lot of people recommend us, uh, recommend speakers on our Facebook page. So they just, they just inbox us that we have a speaker to recommend. Then they, when, then we ask them to send their profile to our email address. Then our speaker curation team basically approaches the speaker, mm -hmm. talks to mm -hmm. them, hear what's their big idea. Since we focus a lot on the idea, so most of our uh, speakers, they just do not get shortlisted because they are more focused towards their pers personal stories. They are A lot of them are full of themselves. They just want to talk <laughs> about them. So, so if we get like 100 recommendations, oh 50, my 60 gosh. just got rejected yeah. just because they do not have the TEDx spirit. Or they don't understand the philosophy of TED. We were helping a local university coach their entire slate of speakers. We were not involved in the, the curation or the selecting. We were just brought in to help. I think we had 16 of them to coach. And one of the guys who had, you know, was selected was one of the, um, like a benefactor, a funder of the college. And he says, you know, I've been speaking for 40 years all over the world and, you're not going to, you know, it's like, you're not, don't you know who I am? You're not going to tell me. And I said, well, you know, sorry, sir, but this is how it's going to go. And I remember seeing his deck and it was 17 minutes about him uh, to your point, 17 minutes about him and how great he was. Yes. And one page on how to contact him. There was literally no idea. And as it turned out, and we were, we, you know, you can't let that happen. So he was very, very challenging to work with him, but he, he was committed and he was open. And as it turned out, his talk was, was fantastic. 
And he wrote us this nice note saying he, you know, he was so resistant, but as it turned out, it was probably the best speaking experience he'd had, had ever had. So listener know that, you know, that there are going to be those kinds of people. And if you, to, to what, uh, Urteza is saying, if you stick with the, it's all about the idea. It's not about the person. Um, that's your greatest, uh, strength, I believe. Tell me. But um, I still say, despite all this, I am still not satisfied with the kind of talks that we produce. Yeah, like we oh, try our you, best to uh, have been. It's it's hard, isn't it? I mean, it's an ongoing challenge, right? Yes, but the thing is, like, I believe that with every passing year, we are getting better. Sure, but sure. still, I'll I'll say that we are not like we are not even like not halfway there. Have you found um, this? There's a question. We, we actually send uh, Chris Anderson's book to everybody once they've been selected, and, and uh, that's a mandatory read for them because we think that helps it, so that we're not the one telling them what they can and can't do or what makes a good talk. Um, have you used that strategy? Yeah, so we tried that. Like not the whole book, but the part, for example, if somebody is having trouble in concluding his talk, so we just share that chapter with them, how to like have a powerful or impactful ending. But the problem is that a lot of speakers here, they are not that well versed with English. Uh. So then we then and also there's another thing that they are more comfortable having someone face to face, like having a discussion face to face, than reading a ebook or having a Skype or telephonic conversation. So that's more of a cultural thing that we can not uh, overcome. So that's why we have not tried that much. But with few speakers, we did send them the how to conclude your talk, how to end your talk, that part of uh, the book, which I think worked pretty well, but not not for everyone. Well, see, you <clears throat> you just showed why you are an ambassador because you explain the cultural considerations and the differences to that idea and why it doesn't work. And I, I appreciate that because that's one of the other things that I, I love specifically about the show and for the, the things that I've heard from people who listen and write in is that we're learning so much about these other communities that we wouldn't find out any other way. And it, it's just, it's just a real joy for us to have these kinds of conversations can you remember what it was like to be a first timer and give me a piece of advice that you would give to someone who's either getting ready to do their first show or maybe they're listening because they're considering getting a license? Okay, so yeah, so when you go for a TEDx event for the first time, you just go online, see a lot of other TEDx events, TED Talks, so you see all these high production events the glossy networking breaks, very beautiful stages. So when I did my first TEDx event, I went for the same thing. Like it should be, it should look beautiful, aesthetically beautiful. The speakers should be really good. Like all of them speak really good English. But when I get to know more about the, this whole phenomena, the whole TEDx spirit and the thing, then I realized these are all secondary and tertiary things. The first thing is the content, the idea that the speaker is going to talk about. And the language doesn't matter. 
if he's more comfortable talking the local language or his or her mother tongue he should do that so all these things the high production the networking the activities that you do the food that you serve these all are secondary or tertiary things the primary thing is the idea amen i uh, a 1000% agree with you and it's an interesting thing to as an organizer to keep reminding your team about especially the new people that come onto the team that cuz they can get so excited. I know this with my team. I've got a couple of new people this year and they get very, very excited. And I said, hold oh, that's, that's great. But how does that support the idea? How does it support the speaker's ideas? How does it do all of that? Which I love. So you're three days away from your event. Again, thank you so much for, for being on the show. What are you most looking forward to in three days? Uh, so many things like a whole new bunch of people who whom I will be connecting with, I will be hearing from. So a lot of interesting talks that we are curating. So one and two talks are really close to me because I I really feel that the ideas that they are going to talk about needs to be spread. Mm. The other thing is like this time we are trying to do more experiential based activities during a networking break. So, which has to do a lot with culture and heritage. So, it's going to be like very interesting experience. Like, I'm I'm not sure if it's going to how it's going to work out, but the community is going to get something new this time around. I I like that um, focus on culture and heritage. That's uh, yeah. There's a really interesting opportunity there. I've I've heard that a few other times. Um, what? If we were to, um, when when you're done, you've been working on your event for a long time, when we're done and I could get a red carpet and you and I could fly to any TEDx in the world, which one would we go to? Okay, so I'll say probably TEDx Beacon Street. I'm going to talk to John Warren in a couple of weeks. I'm really <laughs> excited about that. Yeah. Okay, so I, I'm, I'm going to let him know. Uh, there have been a lot of people uh, that want to go to Beacon Street. In fact, Katie from TEDx Montreal takes an entire team of, I don't know, it's eight to ten people uh, every year, and they go to TEDx Beacon Street. Uh, she just loves it so much. Last year, yeah. Last year, one of my team members went to, the, oh. uh, to TEDx Beacon Street, wow. and he was like so... Like he spoke really high about the event. Yes, yes. It's it's uh. It, John does he does a great job in the adventures and all of the yeah. things that he does. Um, tell me what is you know the show's called Hacking the Red Circle, and I don't know that hack translates uh, in uh, Pakistan, but it's the what's the one thing that you can do that doesn't cost you any money, but can make a huge difference in the uh, impact of the event? Uh, I'll say the the part where we support the local entrepreneurs. Oh, it doesn't right. cost, it, it cost us nothing because all we give, we just give them a space and a, and a small like a setup to basically set up their booth or like a stall. 
but the impact it creates for the community and for them that's huge i love that last weekend was tedx san diego and mark lovett uh, who's been on the show uh, he they they're uh, right downtown and they um have a street right next to the facility that they block off and they call it innovation alley and they do the same thing i think they have like 40 uh 40 companies uh, startups and new innovation which is a, a great way to get people excited i love that that you're absolutely right and it gave me the idea our event is in three weeks um and i'm only going to do a couple of more shows before then because i need to focus but I, uh, we have a partnership with a co-working space, um, and they have a lot of extra room, and they're thinking of user experiences. And I'm thinking, why don't we have a little startup fair? Because uh, we have a lot of that activity here in the region. Um, would you do? T- I'd like to have two things. I'd like you to do one. I would love you to um, send us some pictures that um, give us a sense of the the beauty of uh, your events um, that we can post on the page. And if you've done any uh, special videos or anything like that, that we can link in that uh, help people get a, a sense of the flavor and the, the, the festivity and the, the things that you do. And the last thing I would yeah. ask is as the ambassador in the region, uh, I'm trying to uh, get this show spread out uh, to more organizers. So if you could help us by, I'm going to guess that you have, um, there's probably Facebook pages uh, where you could um, share the Hacking the Red Circle site so that those other organizers could start listening to other people as well and getting uh, some uh, new ideas and new innovations. We we would love that if you could help us with that. For sure. So, like for your first part, we last year our event was covered by the TED Innovation Block. Oh. So they yeah. So they had they covered so uh, like we had like a lot of focus on culture and the local stuff. So they had like these ten twelve pictures from our event that they put it into our blog post. And they put it on the TEDx innovation blog. Then one of our performances from last year, it was basically a local orchestra. Mm. So they covered the, so they did a rendition of Take Five and Pink Panther on classical (gasps) Eastern instruments. Oh, wow. So that was covered by the TED uh, innovation blog as well, the TEDx innovation blog. So I want to so let just go over there and check this out and, and I'll make, I'll make a link to it. So for our listeners that are new or have not heard of that, um, there is an innovation blog and I'll, I'll make sure there's a link to it. And they, um, there's an opportunity for if there's something interesting that you're doing, you think is worthy of that blog. You can, you can let them know and they'll come out. So I'm, I'm really anxious to see that. So it might be innovative staging. It might be innovative uh, user experience or an activation, or it might be, um, I saw one that was, I I'm particularly fascinated with inexpensive set design. And so there's been a lot of innovation in that area. 
Well, Urtessa, thank you so, so much. And uh, good luck, best of luck to you and your team. Well, by the way, how many people on your team, how many people does it take to run a 500-person event for you? Okay. So we have like a core team of 12 to 15 people. Then we have a lot of event day volunteers, which are around 25 to 30. Got it. So it only takes... That's... That's spectacular. That's not very many people. Uh, the core team sounds about right, but your day of volunteers, only 30. Um, I'm sure you keep them very, very busy. Yeah. So we have like their, so they do, they get through a one day training before the event. So we have rehearsals at the venue one day before the event. So these kids or volunteers, they come early in the morning and they just, work out with their respective team heads or the guys from the core team who are responsible for these kids. Yeah. So they work with them. So they are like mostly trained and they know what we are expecting from them. I love it. Well, best of luck to you. So, so nice to meet you. And uh, we'll, we'll look forward to a lot more listeners from Pakistan. Thank you so much. And really, I, I'm really thankful to you for giving me this opportunity and to share my experience and hope to meet you soon. Well, I'm sure I'll see you at a summit or some event like that in the future. I look forward to it. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Hacking the Red Circle. Have an idea for a guest for the show? Or would you like to tell us your TEDx story? Just drop me a note in an email to mark at hackingtheredcircle.com. Please be sure to rate, write, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Makes a huge difference. And share the show with your team as we seek to grow our audience around the world. Until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for Hacking the Red Circle.